Chapter Two of Timothy Crump's Ward by Horatio Alger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: The Events of an Evening. At this moment, the outer door opened, and Timothy Crump entered, not with a quick, elastic step of one who brings good tidings, but slowly and deliberately, with a quiet gravity of demeanor in which his wife could read only too well that he had failed in his efforts to procure work his wife reading all these things in his manner had the delicacy to forbear intruding upon him questions to which she saw that he could give no satisfactory answers not so aunt rachel i needn't ask she began whether you got work timothy i knew beforehand you wouldn't there ain't no use in trying the times is awful dull, and mark my words, they'll be wuss before they're better. We may not live to see em. I don't expect we shall. Folks can't live without money, and when that's gone, we shall have to starve. Not so bad as that, Rachel, said the cooper, trying to look cheerful. Don't talk about starving till the time comes. Anyway, glancing at the table on which was spread a good plain meal, we needn't talk about starving till tomorrow with that before us where's jack gone after some flour replied his wife on credit asked the cooper no he's got the money to pay for a few pounds said mrs crump smiling with an air of mystery where did it come from asked timothy who was puzzled as his wife anticipated i didn't know you had any money in the house no more we had but he earned it himself holding horses this afternoon come that's good said the cooper cheerfully we ain't so bad off as we might be you see rachel the latter shook her head with an air of a martyr at this moment jack returned and the family sat down to supper you haven't told us said mrs crump seeing her husband's cheerfulness in a measure restored what mr bongett said about the chances for employment not much that was encouraging answered timothy he isn't at all sure how soon it would be best to commence work perhaps not before spring didn't i tell you so commented rachel with a sepulchral sadness even mr crump could not help looking sober i suppose timothy you haven't formed any plans she said no i haven't had time i must try to get something else to do what for instance anything by which i can earn a little i don't care if it's only sawing wood we shall have to get along as economically as we can cut our coat according to our cloth oh you'll be able to earn something and we can live very plain said mrs crump affecting a cheerfulness greater than she felt pity you hadn't done it sooner was the comforting suggestion of rachel mustn't cry over spilt milk said the cooper good-humouredly perhaps we might have lived a little more economically but i don't think we've been extravagant besides i can earn something father said jack hopefully you know i did this afternoon so you can said mrs crump brightly there ain't horses to hold every day said rachel apparently fearing that the family might become too cheerful when like herself it was their duty to become profoundly gloomy you're always trying to discourage people said jack discontentedly 
Rachel took an instant umbrage at these words. "'I'm sure,' said she, mournfully, "'I don't want to make you unhappy. If you can find anything to be cheerful about when you're on the verge of starvation, I hope you'll enjoy yourselves and not mind me. I'm a poor dependent creature, and I feel to know I'm a burden. Now, Rachel, that's all foolishness, said Uncle Tim. You don't feel anything of the kind. Perhaps others can tell how I feel better than I can myself, answered his sister, knitting rapidly. If it hadn't been for me, I know you'd have been able to lay up money and have something to carry you through the winter. It's hard to be a burden upon your relations, and bring a brother's family to poverty. Don't talk of being a burden, Rachel, said Mrs. Crump. You've been a great help to me in many ways. That pair of stockings now you're knitting for Jack, that's a help, for I couldn't have got time for them myself. I don't expect, said Aunt Rachel, in the same sunny manner, that I shall be able to do it long. From the pains I have in my hand sometimes, I expect I'm going to lose the use of them soon, and be as useless as old Mrs. Sprague, who for the last ten years of her life had to sit with her hands folded in her lap. But I wouldn't stay to be a burden. I'd go to the poorhouse first. But perhaps, with a look of a martyr, they wouldn't want me there because I should be discouraging them too much. Poor Jack, who had so unwittingly raised this storm, winced under the words which he knew were directed at him. Then why, said he half in extenuation, why don't you try to look pleasant and cheerful? Why won't you be jolly, as Tom Piper's aunt is? I dare say I ain't pleasant, said Aunt Rachel, as my own nephew tells me so. There is some folks that can be cheerful when their house is a burning down before their eyes, and I've heard of one young man that laughed at his aunt's funeral, directing a severe glance at Jack. But I'm not one of that kind. I think with the scriptures that there's a time to weep. Doesn't it say there's a time to laugh also? asked Mrs. Crump. When I see anything to laugh about, I'm ready to laugh, said Aunt Rachel. But human nature ain't to be forced. I can't see anything to laugh at now. And perhaps you won't, by and by. It was evidently of no use to attempt a consultation of this, and the subject was dropped. The tea things were cleared away by Mrs. Crump, who afterwards sat down to her sewing. Aunt Rachel continued to knit in grim silence while Jack seated himself on a three-legged stool near his aunt, and began to whittle out a boat after a model lent him by Tom Piper, a young gentleman whose aunt has already been referred to. The cooper took out his spectacles, wiped them carefully with his handkerchief, and as carefully adjusted them to his nose. He then took down from the mantelpiece one of the few books belonging to his library, Captain Cook's Travels and began to read, for the tenth time it might be, the record of the gallant sailor's circumnavigations. The plain little room presented a picture of peaceful tranquillity, but it proved to be only the calm which precedes a storm. The storm in question, I regret to say, was brought about by the luckless Jack. As has been said, he was engaged in constructing a boat the particular operation he was now intent upon being the excavation or hollowing out. Now three-legged stools are not the most secure seats in the world. 
that i think no one can doubt who has any practical acquaintance with them jack was working quite vigorously the block from which the boat was to be fashioned being held firmly between his knees his knife having gotten wedged in the wood he made an unusual effort to draw it out in which he lost his balance and disturbed the equilibrium of his stool which with his load tumbled over backwards now it very unfortunately happened that aunt rachel sat close behind and the treacherous stool came down with a considerable force upon her foot a piercing shriek was heard and aunt rachel lifting her foot clung to it convulsively while an expression of pain distorted her features at the sound the cooper hastily removed his spectacles and letting captain cook fall to the floor started up in great dismay mrs crump likewise dropped her sewing and jumped to her feet in alarm it did not take long to see how matters stood hurt ye much rachel inquired timothy it's about killed me groaned the afflicted maiden oh i shall have to have my foot cut off or be a cripple anyway then turning upon jack fiercely you careless wicked ungrateful boy that i've been wearing myself out knitting for i'm almost sure you did it a purpose you won't be satisfied till you've got me out of the world and then then perhaps here rachel began to whimper perhaps you'll get tom piper's aunt to knit your stockings i didn't mean to aunt rachel said jack penitently eyeing his aunt who was rocking to and fro in her chair besides i hurt myself like thunder rubbing vigorously the lower part of the dorsal region served you right said his aunt still clasping her foot shan't i get something for you to put on it asked mrs crump of her sister-in-law this rachel steadily refused and after a few more postures indicating a great amount of anguish limped out of the room and ascended the stairs to her own apartment End of chapter 2